It's Fangraphs Audio. I'm Carson Sestouli. Each week, Mr. David Lorla, the curator of the excellent Q&A series, which you can find in the electronic pages of Fangraphs, generally twice a week. Each week, that same David Lorla provides us with audio from one of the interviews he's conducted during the course of the past week. For this episode, we're lucky to have audio from a phone conversation that Lorla conducted with Steve Wynn, who, along with Scott McCoy and others, is a member of real-life rock and roll band The Baseball Project. In what follows, Lorla and Steve Wynn discuss the relative difficulties of selling The Baseball Project in Europe, where one of Wynn's other notable bands, Dream Syndicate, is actually quite popular, the likely immortality of Dodgers broadcaster Vin Scully, and how precisely, like Wynn, how precisely it is possible to be born a Los Angeles Dodgers fan and then become a New York Yankees fan. It's David Lorla in conversation with Steve Wynn of The Baseball Project, right now on Fangraphs Audio. My guest is Steve Wynn, guitarist, singer for The Baseball Project. Steve, I think a lot of listeners are familiar with you and The Baseball Project, but for those who are not, let people know who you are. Ooh, that's, that's a lot to, to cover, but um, I've... Yes, I'm a member of one of the uh, members of the Baseball Project, um, along with Scott McCoy. Uh, we write and sing the songs um, in the band, and I've been making music for uh, 30 years. Um, I was a member, member of the Dream Syndicate back in the 80s, and once again now we're reuniting for shows in September, and made solo records over the years, um, and a lot of um, other projects besides. You are reuniting with the Dream Syndicate and touring Spain, and I think uh, the baseball project maybe is a little more American. Um, the Dream Syndicate, I was a big fan of in the 80s. I'm a big Yola Tango fan as well. But maybe uh, Dream Syndicate really isn't American music anymore like the baseball project is. Well, it's interesting. I mean, when, when the Dream Syndicate was together, we toured endlessly in the States and Europe. You're we kind of on the road all the time. Um, and, and there was a period for me after the band broke up where I was touring Europe a lot more than America. There's just always been a real appreciation there for, you know, underground American artists or, you know, all the way from, from rock and roll to blues to folk to jazz, you know, what have you. They've always kind of really championed the, 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 um, the underground scene over there. And, uh, um, so kind of over the years I was probably touring twice as much in Europe, Europe as I would in the States. I still toured over here. But the great thing with the baseball project is I kind of have now have a band that tours the states all the time, and it's, it makes sense because we're we're singing about baseball. Um, what's interesting is that despite the fact that all the members of the band have done a lot of touring in Europe, we just can't get the baseball project going over there. I mean, you know, all of us with our own bands pack out clubs, or in the case of REM arenas, and um, have devoted following. The second we put the word the baseball project on into an ad or in front of a promoter they just freeze because <laughs> I guess they think it's going to be some weird you know hieroglyphic um, impenetrable thing that we're doing which of course it's not I think Steve maybe the problem there is the fact that worldwide people tend to speak English so they they know the words if you were singing in German the music would really come through and people could enjoy it without knowing that you were singing about um, Tim Lincecum or, you know, Ted Williams. I think you're right. I think there's a certain rock and roll speak, you know, and, and when we sing our own songs, we're singing about, you know, you know 
the things we sing about music, people can somehow grasp onto. Even when English is a second language, they can say, oh, that one's about loneliness, and that one's about love, and that one's about family, whatever. And baseball, I guess, just, you know, you hear something like, like Panda and the Freak, which you mentioned with Tim Winsicum, or something like that, where it's just listing a lot of you know, names and historical things, and it's just, must seem like gibberish. Having said that, a lot of rock and roll music I love, a lot of songs I love, is really complete gibberish to me. And I think about something like, whether it's, you know, a lot of Bob Dylan stuff or Captain Beefheart or, my God, you know, um, a lot of bands I love were just like, I have no idea what they're singing about, but it sounds great. So I've, I've always told people, even, you know, whether it's here, whether it's here in the States or in Europe, even if you don't like baseball, you'll get something out of this band because we're singing about universal subjects because the words sound pretty when they're put together because there's hooks and things you can sing along with. But if you do like baseball, you're going to get a lot more out of it. Once again, I'm talking with Steve Wynn. You mentioned list, Steve. Um, the song Harvey Haddock's is one of your better-known songs. You list the, the players who are throwing perfect games. And I'm willing to bet that most Fangraphs listeners have no idea who Charlie Robertson is. Yeah, exactly. I think that, that definitely had to dig into some obscurity there for that song. And, but, you know, that, that was, as is the case with, with a lot of songs on the first record, Scott and I wrote about, our, our, the immediate songs we wrote about were, were about subjects we'd always loved. You know, Scott wrote about Willie Mays, who, you know, he grew up in San Francisco. He was a big fan. I wrote about Koufax being from L.A. But I always loved the story of Harvey Haddock. That's when, like, I remember back to being 10 years old and having a Harvey Haddock's baseball card, just being fascinated by the story about a guy who just, you know, who did something no one had ever done before, throwing 12 perfect innings. And, um, and so when we started writing for the first record, I said, I got to write a Harvey Haddock song. When I did, I didn't know who Charlie Robertson was either. <laughs> you know, I, I, I knew a lot of the pitchers who throw perfect games. And there weren't that many back then, just five years ago. Um, there were a lot fewer than there are now. But uh, um, I certainly now have become the, the um, go-to expert on perfect games. Charlie, Ro <clears throat> Charlie Robertson, for people who don't know, pitched his perfect game in the early 1920s, and there were a couple of uh, Hall of Famers on the team he pitched against, uh, Ty Cobb being one of them. Harry Heilman, I think, was the other. Um, back in that same era, or actually a little earlier than that, Steve, uh, was big Ed Delahanty, who you have also written a song about. I, I, you've got me thinking about something else. I would love to find out of the perfect games what pitchers through against the most Hall of Famers in the lineup. That's a really great stat. And it would be a great thing for uh, listeners and uh, database geeks to look up, and I'm sure within minutes of this <laughs> live, right. people will be looking for that. I want to find out. Let's just get an answer on that one, because that would be a great, that'd be great thing to, get to know. I have no idea. I couldn't. Even, I couldn't even venture a guess. So before we talk about about Big Ed Delahanty, it, I'm hit with the idea here that what the baseball project really needs to do is something called sabermetric song, where you sing about the about advanced stats. Well, you know, I mean, I we, before the interview started, we talked about this about about the Sab about the saber society and how we are probably going to play their convention in Philadelphia next summer. Um, we've, you know, we've. Always thought the baseball project, you know, and, and, and Saber is a great matchup, you know, and that, that we, you know, we, again, appeal to people who just like rock and roll songs and good hooks and, and, and good melodies, but also to people who really know their stats, you know, and if anything, um, sometimes we have to watch ourselves not to make our songs 
too list heavy. It's very easy just to kind of you know to to, to busting out of our actually busting out of our system to want to, to want to list every number in the stat we know. So um, we do hopefully balance that pretty well. Once again, I'm here with Steve Wynn, um, Big Ed Delahanty, Take Three. I'm very interested how you came to sing about a song about a player from a hundred years ago who apparently oh, yeah, got yeah, off we, a bridge. That's right. There you go. I mean, it's just a great story. You know, like, again, you know, the, um, that was that Scott song, and, and uh, but I remember when I was a kid also just being, you know, really intrigued by this mysterious story of you know this great hitter who who um, took his own life, you know, in the, in the middle of the season, and what was behind that. That they never solved that. You know, that whole what what really went down, and the fact that we're five Del Hanty brothers all going, you know, and the different levels of success at the same time. You know, these are th- these type of things you latch on to. I mean, you know, you know, if you're a baseball fan, you do love studying the uh, the the list of top home run hitters, and knowing every number on there, and knowing who got the Hall of Fame what year. But there's always that weird little, you know, personal touch. You know, that kind of you just are drawn towards, whether it's the Harvey Haddocks or the the death of Big Ed, or you know, or or you know, Shoeless Joe. Throwing a series while while having you know while having a great series um, things like that it just make it make the numbers and the and the results even more interesting. Baseball is very much a game of nostalgia, which is one reason your band is so great to hear. But you're obviously all fans of today's game as well. You, I understand, is a Yank are a Yankee fan, so yes. um, I think you should give your thoughts on the team that everybody hates except Yankee fans. It is so hard. Being a fan of the most hated team in baseball, I gotta say, you know, I think people, I've had so many people say to me, "How can you be a Yankees fan?" And there is, there is a real good reason. I, I grew up in LA and lived there until 20 years ago. I moved to New York 20 years ago, and um, so I was a Dodger fan for the most part. There's a, a few, few hesitations here and there over the years, but um, um, that was my team when I moved here. But I always loved New York. Always wanted to live here. And once I finally did move here. I want to be a fan of a local team. It makes it more fun. You know, but if you're a baseball fan, to have a, a local team to root for. And for me, it couldn't be the Mets because I already have my National League team. And so I almost just uh, just that one, you know, bit of ra- you know random circumstance became a Yankees fan at the point when they were still lousy. I, I always make I'm always quick to point that out. I didn't become a Yankee fan during you know the late '90s when it would have been much too easy. I kind of took them took them on as like we say in one of our songs around '93. When um, you know when they hadn't won in a long time, and an advantage of you not being a Dodger fan is you probably get along much better with Scott. That's true. <laughs> well, I still do count the Dodgers, and he knows that. But I think Yankee, the Yankees are my first team at this point, so we haven't had too many bitter rivalries. Um, well, I got to say, I'm kind of enjoying the Dodgers this year. I'm, I'm enjoying the post McCord era. You're a big Kershaw fan, I assume. He's great. I say, of course, you know my favorite Dodger of all has been Scully. And it goes from there. Vince Scully, who will go forever. I think he will at this point. I mean, I just want to interview him a couple couple days ago where he, even at this point, has no thoughts of retiring. He's still going strong and loving it, and that's what he wants to be doing. And he's not doing every game, of course, but um, you know, he, it, it's, it's hard to imagine a time when he's not broadcasting those games when he's not with us, even. With, uh, and definitely, one of the, you know, I think the the internet 
and technology is good for a lot of things, but one thing I, <laughs> I particularly like it for is I can hear it in Scully anytime I want, wherever I am. Uh, you are a Yankee fan, as you just mentioned, Steve, but you had an opportunity to sing the national anthem at Fenway Park recently. I have to imagine that was quite the thrill. It was an incredible thrill. I mean, you know, like, holy, I mean, it was, it, even knowing what was ahead of us, knowing we'd be there singing the anthem, still just can't prepare you for standing there, you know, we're standing right behind home plate and looking out, you know, at the field. And after after having been led around the warning track and being able to kind of, you know, lean against the green monster and look at the scoreboard up close and all that, it's just an amazing feeling. If you're, I think it would be for anybody, but especially if you're a big baseball fan, you just, there's nothing to prepare you about how, for how great that's going to be. Yeah, and yes, and, and yes, even as a Yankee fan. <laughs> Even even as a Yankee fan, um, you talk to fans all the time of, of other teams, and I know that your reputation is when the baseball project plays a show that you and the other three members are always just chatting with fans, and I think that's something that people might appreciate, that uh, there's not a big big rock star persona here. No, and we do have some big rock stars in the band, so it's, you know, it's a, and, and, and I can tell you that, that you know, Peter and Mike will be the first ones out there Talk to people. It's fun. It, it's really, you know, it's it's the nice thing that, that I've always loved about playing clubs and touring is that you meet a lot of great people. You hear a lot of good stories, and it's a way to find out what's going on in the city you're playing and what people are into. Now, that's thing that that I've always done. I've always liked talking to people, talking to fans after shows. The one thing that's new with the baseball project is the conversations lean largely towards baseball, and that didn't happen so much before. I mean, you come off stage and. You know, suddenly you're hearing about what's you know, you're debating, yeah, you're you're arguing who's going to finish first that year and who should win the MVP, and that's kind of fun. No, it is a lot of fun, and I want to urge all listeners to check out the baseball project uh, when they do come to your town. And uh, Steve, do you have any final thoughts before uh, before I let you go? Um, just that with this, you know, that we're all having a ball with this thing. That that, that you know, I think all of us. Everybody in the band still has other other projects going, and we, we're not. You know, the baseball project will never be the only thing any of us do. We, but um, I think that we have such a good time with this band, and um, you know, and there are so many so things to write about in baseball that I think will be going for a long time. Steve Wynn, thank you uh, much for your time. My pleasure.